We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Nick Whalen joined by Jake Letarski, who is sitting in for Rotowire's Derek Van Riper on this Thursday, July 28th. I want to wish a happy birthday to Dexter Jackson, former Super Bowl MVP, I believe. <laughs> Dexter Jackson, is that correct? Yeah, Dexter Jackson, man. That's that's quite the name drop. Uh, I mean, love the happy birthdays. Uh, beat some of the other candidates we had to look over today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit of a dry day as far as NFL birthdays, but Dexter Jackson, uh, again, we wish you a happy birthday. No DVR today. I think he's moving uh, across yeah. town in mm-hmm. Madison. So so in steps you to talk 
overrated, underrated players. Yeah, that's exactly where we're going with today. I mean, at DVR and I might flip-flop next week. I know I'm moving the week after, so I got to take mm-hmm. all his boxes. But yeah, overrated, underrated fantasy players. There's a, It's a topic of debate every year, very hot topic here. We'll start with today's biggest news, of course, but uh, then we'll go position, position, mm-hmm. uh, discussing some players that we think are maybe a little bit overrated or a little bit underrated. Right. And some of these, of course, will change. You know, we're looking at ADP data that it does take a little bit to mm-hmm. to kind of to judge the fluctuations. A guy like Tom Brady, I think we're going to keep seeing kind of gradually fall down the, the QB ADP mm-hmm. uh, as news you know broke last week uh, regarding his suspension. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But like you said, biggest news first, um, we finally have a real news item. It feels like these last couple of weeks we've been really scraping Mm-hmm. you know, for quote-unquote news in the NFL. But Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets agreed to a one-year, $12 million deal. It did kind of seem, um, you know, as the two sides kind of kind of played patty cake all summer, it did seem like this is the result mm-hmm. that we were going to get at some point. Maybe not this exact type of deal, but it kind of seemed like Fitzpatrick was going to be back with the Jets. They really didn't have a much better option. This was a borderline playoff team last season. I don't think they wanted to just throw that away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes them – a Super Bowl contender or necessarily puts them over the hump. But I think having Ryan Fitzpatrick back and not having to resort to Geno Smith or to Bryce mm-hmm. Petty or to bringing in someone else at least keeps the Jets in playoff contention. Yeah, without a doubt, he'll be the number one quarterback there. He's going to help that team quite a bit. Geno Smith will be the backup. Then they can pro- they can still practice squad Bryce Petty and do that while they groom Christian Hackenberg to potentially take that over in a couple years. Now, Fitzpatrick turned down, I believe, three years, $34 million earlier in the offseason. And now this is more of course, more on a per-year basis that he'll be getting, but he doesn't get the long-term security there. Uh, I'm sure we'll run over this whole thing again next offseason here. But at 33 years old, you're not going to get a much longer than a three-year deal, so I'm not right. entirely sure what he's holding out for. Yeah, you'd think at that age you would want the long-term security, and you know maybe we were not really privy to the details of that what that three-year offer might have entailed as far as guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, back with the Jets. I'm a little bit bearish on on Ryan Fitzpatrick and on this Jets offense. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the addition of Matt Forte, but you look at what Fitzpatrick did last season, had a career year at age 32, almost 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, by far a career high, did throw 15 picks, but the volume was just mm-hmm. was up so much higher than we'd really seen from him in probably four or five years. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to fall off you know from a talent standpoint you know coming Mm -hmm. back to the same system you know even though he's somewhat of a late addition for this team it's not like he has to relearn an offense or anything like that but it just seems like everything kind of broke right for this passing game last season exactly and the thing is that is encouraging is his weapons are all still there I mean Brandon Marshall Eric Decker if anyone this deal might help Brandon Marshall the most because there's a little bit uncertainty of course Brandon Marshall's fantasy value would have taken a big time dive if Geno Smith's starting 16 games for them this year instead we've got Fitzpatrick there and Marshall, you know, anytime he has a somewhat capable quarterback, which is not Geno Smith, uh, then he'll, he'll be able to produce. So Marshall is a top 15 fantasy wideout now, maybe creeping his way into the top 12. And of course, the Jets have Matt Forte as well. So uh, there's the weapons are all there. Hopefully, Jason Morrow at the tight end takes a big step there. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick will be able to contribute. He's got the weapons. I mean, you put you give you give Rogers or, or Luck or, or Russell Wilson these weapons and uh, they're a top five quarterback for sure. Fitzpatrick, 23 in the ADP. He'll be on his way up just with the security. Uh, He did get taken in the 13th round of a best ball league that I'm doing, which I thought was maybe a little bit early. Uh, But you want to grab a couple quarterbacks in that league just to make sure you can get maybe 25 to 35 points out of of the quarterback every week. So, yeah, Fitzpatrick, he'll be taken in two quarterback, 12-team leagues, uh, probably as a quarterback, too. 
but uh, he'll be off. He'll be off the board now for sure. What is the ceiling now for this Jets team? It seems like they're kind of built to go all in right now. You know, you have a 33-year-old quarterback who's going to be 34 in November. You have an, an older running back in Matt Forte. You have an older receiver, an older number one receiver, that is, in Brandon Marshall. Eric Decker, still in his prime, but, you know, also not a super young guy in his own right. Um, again, I don't see this Jets team as a, as a legitimate Super Bowl contender by any means, but I mean, what is their plan right now? Yeah, I mean, they got to hope to squeak into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be their over under win total is sitting right around sitting right around eight, eight and a half. And I, I think you can take the over on that maybe, but uh, that's pretty optimistic. I wouldn't be going to shell out hundreds of dollars on that bet. I think they can win nine or 10 games, maybe finish second in the division and squeak in that wild card. I don't think they're going to be winning a division. They just got to get hot at the right time like any team in the playoffs. That's how the NFL is these days. Are they the second best team in the AFC East? I mean, you look at New England with, with Brady out for those four games, and if, if there's any team that can weather that kind of storm, you certainly it's, it's New England. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anyone expects them to just fall off the map for the first four games of the year but you know if, if they go two and two over that stretch and that that opens the door significantly more than you'd expect it to be if Brady was in the picture well I mean as far as Super Bowl odds go the one thing that hasn't changed is the Patriots are still number one yeah. I mean the, the Patriots still have the best odds I'm looking at oddshark.com right now plus 600 for the Patriots plus 850 for the Packers plus 900 for the Seahawks so nothing's really changed with the Brady with the Brady news here uh, they're still the favorites to win it all so I think second place is probably the ceiling for this Jets team all right other news Josh Doxson placed on the pup list sore Achilles he missed all of rookie OTAs still doesn't seem like it's anything too serious for him mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a way to keep him off the field and rest that Achilles uh, we can talk briefly about this Washington receiver situation. We know they have Deshaun Jackson on the edge. They have Pierre Garcon, but Josh Doxson, kind of a different type of receiver from those two. Deshaun Jackson, about as unique as they get, just a straight mm-hmm. burner, you know, a deep ball guy, um, you know, kind of d- really does that better than just about anyone else when he's healthy. Doxson kind of gives them that big possession receiver, down the field threat, a guy who can wall off defenders, can get you first downs. Do you think he challenges Garcon when it's all said and done for that wide receiver two spot? I don't know if he does so this year. We've seen very rarely to rookie wide receivers, I mean Odell Beckham being the one big exception, very rarely to rookies jump on in and make an impact immediately. Now that happens a little bit, but I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Washington. You've got Jordan Reed there too, and even Vernon Davis behind Jordan Reed, and the injury is not going to help him uh, really at all because he needs to get these reps in camp right now, so it's very valuable for him. I'm very high on Josh Doxson in in dynasty-type formats where you can maybe – we're not necessarily a traditional keeper league where you can only keep one or two players, but I'm talking like dynasty where you can keep eight to ten. Then I'd I'd, I'd pay a higher premium for Doxson because I think Jackson and Garcon are both 29 years old. So one to two years down the road, Doxson has the skills to be a potential breakout player, a potential fantasy wide receiver one. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. If you're taking him this year, you're taking him as a wide receiver five or six and, and hoping for the best as like a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy you're going to be able to get if you're in a, in the standard league. You're not going to have to pay up to get Josh Doxson. Nope. And maybe a guy you wait on, you know, come week five, week six, he starts to become a bigger part of this offense, then maybe you go grab him. But, again, certainly not someone uh, you should be going way out of your way to target. Um, Gary Kubiak, the Denver Broncos head coach, said their three quarterbacks will get, quote, equal reps in camp. Not too surprising. Um, I think the mm-hmm. prevailing belief is, is, seems to be at least that Mark Sanchez has a bit of an edge over Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. But 
Uh, is that how you see this kind of shaking out when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, if I had to predict right now their week one starter, I'd say Mark Sanchez just based on experience, not based on skills whatsoever, but just based on experience. He's already at the speed of the game. He understands what it takes to run an NFL offense. Those are pretty much the only nice things I can say about Mark Sanchez at this point. But, I mean, he does have some weapons. I kind of alluded to that earlier. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, couple of, one of the better one-two punches in the league as far as wideouts go. Again, I don't even think – I don't think any Denver quarterback is going to be taken in a standard single quarterback league. You have to stretch to think of one of these guys as a QB3 in a two-quarterback format if any of these guys are getting taken in fantasy. Yeah, I'm not looking at this QB situation favorably at all from a fantasy perspective, but it is a little bit concerning as far as how it affects Demarius Thomas and and to a lesser degree, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, we saw Mm -hmm. last season Emmanuel Sanders had just about the same target numbers. I think he had 141 targets um, in 2014 and 137, I believe, in 2015. Um, but the catch numbers were nowhere close. I mean, almost 30 fewer receptions last season uh, with Peyton Manning obviously not being Peyton Manning. So I think that the Denver situation is odd. I mean, this is the team coming off of a Super Bowl win, um, and it's a unique situation, of course, with Peyton Manning retiring, but I don't know that they necessarily can just kind of take this loosely. You know, mm-hmm. I think this, this is a team that can still make the playoffs. The defense is that oh, yeah. good. The weapons around the quarterback position are that good that if they can just get decent quarterback play you know, this could still be a 10-win team. Yeah, I think, the, I think the Broncos do have the defense that could get them into the playoffs there. Any kind of quarterback play is a bonus. If they, if they had a good quarterback, this is a 12-win team. Right now they're looking at maybe a 9-10 tops win team just because of the defense keeping them in games. Right, exactly. Hakeem Nix signing with the New Orleans Saints. That deal not officially official, uh, but it sounds <laughs> like it will be at some point on Thursday. 2009 second-round pick, uh, return to New York, last season with a little bit of fanfare finished with just seven catches um I mean, certainly not a guy you're going to be looking at in any kind of fantasy leagues but I mean is, is Hakeem Nick somebody that could end up making any sort of impact whatsoever for the Saints I mean 10-15 catches I guess I mean he's six one two oh eight. He's he's got the size uh, that you know, Drew Brees will be looking for but I still think that Drew Brees goes to Brandon Cooks Willie Sneed even Brandon Coleman Colby Fleener like Josh Thomas. Hill there's uh, just too many like, names yeah, here all, all those names are going to are going are to come up ahead of Nick's on the pecking order Nick's is just roster depth right now he might now. not even make the yeah, roster yeah I was going right? to say he might not even make the roster when it's all said and done uh, I mean everyone's got 12 13 receivers uh, on their squad right now but I mean Mike Doria put him on the depth chart at number 10 to start things off so that's kind of where our NFL editor stands on that and I can't argue with him too much no, just because well, I don't know what I'm going to get well, he's a name I mean, and that nothing more you look up and down the Saints depth chart and again you know like you said most teams are going to have you know 10 up to like 15 receivers right now just because of that, that's how the camp roster works and obviously that'll be pared down immensely uh, as, as they cut toward the 53-man roster, but I think I think he's he's just a name, you know. He's mm-hmm. being a, a former second-round pick, being a guy who was for a brief time a very a productive receiver in the NFL. It kind of he still kind of carries that allure of oh, you know, maybe we can be the team that kind of reignites uh, you know his career. You look at other names on this on this New Orleans depth chart: Reggie Bell, Jared Dangerfield, Tommy Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no one knows who those guys are. You know who Akeem Nix is. So I think yep. he's still. You still kind of carry that benefit uh, of name recognition with you. But again, we'll see if he even makes the final roster. Um, final news item as uh, camp starts to kick off finally uh, with veterans reporting for, for several teams today. We should get actual news uh, starting next week. Mike Wallace failed his conditioning test with the Ravens on Wednesday. Usually this is a concern. You know, it's, it's more of an embarrassment than anything else. You know, when a player fails a conditioning test, and then most often it seems to be your Albert Hainsworth types, not your mm-hmm. speedy wide receivers like Mike Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't really know exactly what led to the failed test. Apparently there are six parts or six components to the conditioning test. He passed five of them. Uh, the Ravens don't seem concerned at all. Uh, they, they went as far as to, as to say that they expect him to pass later this week. So that would be either today or tomorrow. Um, I mean, does this concern you really at all regarding Mike Wallace? I don't know, man. Whenever I hear failed conditioning test, I, I picture Cartman on the couch eating cheesy poofs. But this definitely isn't the case here. Like you said, the, Al- so. the Albert Hainsworth type. Uh, right. Yeah, Mike Wallace still only 29. He'll get there. I think when the season starts, this will be an afterthought. Uh, not necessarily like I'm trying to draft Mike Wallace in right. a lot of places, but to his credit... He does have Joe Flacco who can throw a pretty decent deep ball. We don't know how many how many people Wallace is going to burn necessarily at this stage in his career, but he was always kind of a deep threat uh, with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. So there's a chance he comes back. I, I think in a month this will be an afterthought. Look at NFFC ADP day to Mike Wallace going 54th among wide receivers. You know whether you know in light of this news or or not, I still think that seems a little high. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm taking him. You know, he's going over guys like Kamar Aiken, Pierre Garcon. Uh, Devin Funches, Nelson Aguilar, right in the same range as your your mm-hmm. Philip Dorsett's, uh, you know, Muhammad Sanu, Torrey Smith. So I, I don't know. I'm not high on Mike Wallace. I'm not high on this Baltimore offense. Yeah. I mean, they threw the ball a ton last year out of necessity. Still wasn't a very efficient offense. Um, I think they want to become more balanced this season. Uh, exactly. And it, I, I guess the only way that I could kind of get talked into Mike Wallace is if Steve Smith isn't healthy mm-hmm. or Kamar Aiken isn't healthy, and then he kind of jumps up the depth chart. Or if it's your best ball format, a receiver like Mike Wallace, you don't want to, in a, in a standard season long format, you don't want to try to be picking the weeks that he might have one right. long catch. If exactly. it's a best ball format and it's the later rounds, then because there'll be a, there'll be maybe one or two games this year where he has two or three catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Trying to pick that on a week-to-week basis is impossible, but if you get it in a best ball type format, then uh, then go for it. Why not? Do you want to give a brief explanation of what exactly best ball is, just just for those who might not be familiar? It's uh, it's one of those things like an MFL 10 where uh, you, dr- you do a draft only, and then you don't have to set your lineup at all every week. You The computer just picks your best default lineup for you, so you don't have to make those types of decisions. It's kind of a new and emerging format, but uh, these type of deep threat play- players like Mike Wallace their value is a little bit more in there because you don't have to try to pick which week they're going to have their big performance. In a standard league, chances are they're going to be on your bench those weeks. Right. No, that's interesting. Um, can you make roster moves? No roster moves, no, no roster trades. Moves. So it's all about the draft? No, nothing. Uh, the, like, for example, the ones I'm doing, uh, they're, they're 20 rounds, so it's a really deep draft, right. so you have a lot of reserves. Uh, but then it's draft and forget it. You don't do roster moves, trades, nothing, and uh, it just takes your best lineup every week like that. So in a format like that, you maybe want to consider someone like Wallace in the later rounds, but again, not too aggressive on him. All right, let's get to our overrated and underrated players. We'll start with overrated and we'll go to the QB position right away do you want to give me a couple names you think are maybe going a little bit too high as we check out Mm -hmm. this NFFC ADP well you alluded to earlier in the show the fact that uh, ADP takes a little while to catch up with the news uh, because you know you get guys that are either suspended or injured or reinstated in Josh Gordon's case and need some time to climb up the rankings this is one the first name here that comes up is going to be Tom Brady, just because we know for sure now that he's out the first four games of the season. And, I mean, okay, so he's seventh overall among quarterbacks, 68th overall among all players. But Tom Brady's still ranked ahead in ADP, ahead of guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer, uh, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, I would almost knock him down to the bottom end of the quarterback 12, or to uh, the quarterback one range in a, in a Two, or I'm sorry, a 12-team uh, standard format. So I think he's going just a little high, especially for someone 
at his age and at this stage in his career. Now, we know what Brady is able to do uh, from a fantasy standpoint when he's healthy, except he's uh, he's got some banged-up receivers right now. Both Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola start the season, or not start the season, but enter training camp here on the pup list. So you've got that going against him. you got the fact that Tom Brady's 38 working against him. Maybe the rest actually helps him a little bit. He does add a weapon in Martellus Bennett. I think they have the best tight end duo in the league here. But I just I'm not too high on him. I think he'll be solid for the later part of the season, but for someone who's going to miss 4 weeks, he needs to be tier 1 for those last 12 if you're going to draft him in the top 10 quarterbacks. I don't think that he is he is going to be quite that for the rest of the year after he comes back. No, the regression is an interesting point, and I, I talked to DVR about this last week, and it, it's something that you never really hear with with Tom Brady, and we we kind of comped it to the Spurs in the NBA, where mm-hmm. it's you know every year you start to think like, is this really the year they might fall off? And then you go and check Tom Brady's numbers, and he goes for thirty six touchdowns and seven picks last yep. season, and there's there's you know no sign of regression whatsoever. I mean, are we two or three years removed? Uh, from that I think it was a Monday night game against the Chiefs where he just mm-hmm. completely bombed looked terrible everybody was ready to write him off and then you know I think that, yeah, I think that they, was the year they, they ended up winning the Super Bowl yeah actually. everyone was calling for Jimmy Garoppolo right. that year yeah. right away and, and then, in and then retrospect that seems just around. absolutely yeah, ridiculous it seems yeah. ridiculous but what happens if he puts two or three of those starts together right. at, what, what if Garoppolo comes out goes three and one and then Brady comes out and goes maybe you know I will those will those I calls start I mean the calls will start again whether or not they're well, warranted I don't know though I think uh, it's Tom Brady yeah you know I, I think I think he had being Tom Brady, I think has earned him, mm-hmm. you know, the the credentials, I guess, to yes. to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. But it, I, the point is, at some point, he's going to regress. He's he's going to mm-hmm. be thirty nine, and you know, sometime next week, August third. Um, so thirty nine by the time the season starts, uh, there's there's really not a track record for thirty nine year old quarterbacks playing as well as he's played. Mm-hmm. That said, the weapons are about as good as they've ever been for him. If mm-hmm. if the receivers as long are as healthy, they stay healthy. Yep. the system's the same. You know, the continuity. You can't say enough about that in New England. So I do. I'm with you that he's a little bit overrated just because some of the upside of guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. You know, even a guy like Philip Rivers. Uh, the volume you know is yeah. going to be there for him. So. I think you know what you're getting in Tom Brady, but it is tough to kind of factor in what exactly you're losing in those four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy I think is a little bit overrated, and you know he's going about where he should, I guess, ADP-wise, 14, is Matthew Stafford. I'm just really, really concerned about how effective this Detroit offense is going to be. He had a career year last year, quietly. I mean, the Lions didn't really do all that much, but he completed 67% of his passes. To me, though, that's a bit of an anomaly, almost seven mm-hmm. points higher than his career completion percentage. I think he's due for a regression. He's losing, you know, arguably one of the top five weapons in the history of the NFL in Calvin Johnson. Still has Golden Tate. I, I do like Golden Tate individually, as a, mm-hmm. especially in a PPR format. But the rest of this Lions offense is just not inspiring at all. I don't think they're going to have much of a ground game. I think Stafford's going to find himself in pressure situations quite a bit. And if you look at other quarterbacks going around him, Tony Romo, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, uh, Marcus Mariota, I I think I would lean towards just about all of those guys. Yeah, you know, I can see where you're coming from there. But uh, remember, the Lions did just get a boost earlier this week when they signed Anquan Bolden. So I I don't know how much of a boost you want to call it. How old is Anquan Bolden? 36, 36 maybe? (laughs) Um, Something like that, yeah. uh, He turns 36 in October. Yeah, exactly. So he'll be 36 this season. I think that's a little bit of a boost uh, for someone. And, you know, they get Bolden at the start of camp, so he gets all the reps with them. So hope maybe that helps him a little bit. I think Stafford's right about where he should be at uh, 14 among quarterbacks ADP. I mean, I think with Calvin Johnson and with the rest of that crew, he creeps his way up into a low-end QB1 and 12-teamers. 
But right now, I think uh, a quarterback, too, that you can kind of alternate a little bit. Uh, you're right. Last year, he did have a career year, and people are going to react to that. People are also reacting equally to the fact that he's losing Calvin Johnson. I wouldn't tank him completely, but I wouldn't mind drafting him as a quarterback, too. All right, let's look at the running back position. One guy I know you think is a little bit overrated is C.J. Anderson. Yeah, he's someone that uh, I'm just very, very hesitant, especially with the Denver offense. We don't know what quarterback he's going to be getting yet. Chances are Mark Sanchez, like we said earlier, if we had a pick, it's going to be Sanchez week one, but we don't know. But Anderson was on the cusp of losing his job last year. Him and Ronnie Hillman are going to slip into more and more of a timeshare. And, I mean, the options behind that aren't necessarily great, but – I don't know. I read all this speculation there. Increased use of fullbacks, going to make a run-heavy offense, all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm not quite sure I'm buying it yet. I mean, last year he only he didn't catch a single receiving touchdown last year, and that's really the – I mean, if you're taking C.J. Anderson, it's probably a PPR format. No receiving touchdowns, a little bit concerning for me. Only 152 carries. Now, granted, 4.7 yards a carry that actually matched what he did in his breakout 2014 season. But 720 yards and five touchdowns for what's supposed to be a top 10 running back, I just, I'm not buying it for C.J. Anderson. I think we do see a lot of Ronnie Hillman here this year, uh, even where he's at in his career. I, I, I'm staying away from C.J. Anderson. I think, I mean, you got 24-year-old Hillman as well. Those two could split again. And, and with the overall decrease in offensive productivity, I just don't think Anderson can live up to his ADP. Yeah, I'm not necessarily staying away from C.J. Anderson. I'm staying away from him around that 10, 11, 12 range, like mm-hmm. you said. I, the, the timeshare thing is is the biggest concern for me. You know, the pass catching, yeah, I, I think you certainly have nowhere to go but up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look on the roster outside of Ronnie Hillman, even Devontae Booker, uh, Jawan Thompson. The, this Denver this Denver team is, has not been afraid to employ, you know, two, three, four running backs in the past. And, you know, I, I think that's a little bit concerning for a guy you're talking about as a borderline top 10. You know, the other names in that range are, are solidly the option, you know, for their team. And, and I think in regardless of talent, I think you have to kind of go with that that guaranteed workload mm-hmm. uh, to break the tie there. Uh, what about Adrian Peterson? This is a guy who's going right now. If we look at NFFC data, he's number five behind Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know the volume's going to be there for Adrian Peterson. The yards per carry average hasn't been great the last couple of years. We don't really know what to expect from this Minnesota offense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're comparing him to guys like Devontae Freeman, Lamar Miller, maybe Jamal Charles, um, where does AP kind of fit in in that mix? See, for me, he actually checks in behind Freeman, behind Miller, and behind Charles. I think I might be a little bit unique in this sense. Now, Adrian Peterson, of course, he's past that dreaded age of 30 for running backs. I think that rule of thumb gets thrown out the window with Adrian Peterson. I think he's enough of a freak athlete and an anomaly that just a number number being 32, 33 doesn't matter for him. I think his 35 is what most running backs 30s is. So I'm not. it's not necessarily like I'm down on him that much. But I just like the upside of those other guys a little bit. I mean, Adrian Peterson has the volume. That offense is still going to run around him. Uh, and, I mean, four and a half yards per carry in 2015, that's, I mean, that's almost right in line with his career average, a little bit less. So people are going to back off. I just like the guys around him a little bit better. Adrian Peterson's probably one of those players that I'm not going to own this year, not because I don't like him, but just not because I, I, I'll be ready to pay the price that I will have to pay to own him. What about Devontae Freeman? We can talk about him briefly. I don't know that he's necessarily overrated or underrated, but um, mm-hmm. Peter Shanky wrote on the Road to Wire blog uh, just the other day, um, kind of observing, I guess, uh, of the, the type of deal that you're getting on Devontae Freeman for a mm-hmm. guy who um, you know, finished last season as the second best uh, fantasy running back. 
and, and now you know looking at the ADP data that Pete used, he's going 17, and that's that's much lower than I've seen um, yeah. right now. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at NFFC, uh, he's going uh, number 16, six. Oh, six among running backs, six among but running 16 backs. overall. 16 overall. So right, he's right. still. I mean, you're getting Devontae Freeman in the second round. Yeah, and I think if you can get him in the second round, that's probably a steal. Yeah, I, th- I think it is, but I think you also have to take a look at just how deep the receiver position is too. I, I mean, I don't think people are necessarily down on Devonte Freeman as much as they are just you know. There's 15 to 20 really, really good wide receivers right now, mm-hmm. and you know the way that the NFL is kind of trending, it's more valuable to load up on those guys. So you know, certainly an interesting post by Pete. I'll plug that real quick on the RotoWire blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of taking a look at where you can get Devonte Freeman right now. But to me, he's going right about where he should. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean. I, in any draft, I'm going to take Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and Julio Jones before I even consider yes. touching any yes. running back. Of course. Any running back. Those are my top three picks. I know some people like Bell's, Bell, you could have made a case for him, but with that pending suspension, it's a little too risky. If it's non-PPR, you can probably make a case for Gurley. But, I mean, of course, Freeman's uh, value takes a big hike if it's PPR just because of the way he's used out of the backfield. But I think if you get him in the second round, if you're in the middle of the second round, say you pick 7-8 overall, and it's coming back to you, and you were able to squeak out maybe a, a Hopkins or an Allen Robinson in the first round, and you got your receiving uh, your receiver, your first one, shirt up, then you can maybe consider taking Devontae Freeman uh, in the middle of the second round. I think the ADP has it right there. Lamar Miller. Um, I know some people believe he's overrated. Some people believe he believe he's underrated. He's going seventh among running backs in NFFC ADP. I think that seems about right. But mm-hmm. with Lamar Miller, is so much is based on the projected workload. And you look at the Houston depth chart: Alfred Blue, Jonathan Grimes, Tyler Irvin. No real inspiring names behind him. Um, six games last season in Miami, he had single digit carries. If he stays healthy, it's hard to imagine him not getting to double digits just about every week. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had the tread on his tires that a lot of backs has have, and I think that point comes up a lot, too, when you're talking about Lamar Miller. Never got the carries he deserved in Miami, despite averaging 4.5 last year and 5.1 the year before. I mean, I think he's almost a lock for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's a pretty safe bet. You get a solid system here in Houston. And, again, those names behind him on the depth chart, no threats whatsoever. He should be seeing at least 20 carries a game. He could have his first career 250 or 300 carry season. You extrapolate that. I think I think NF, NFFC has it right here with the ADP. I'd take him over Jamal Charles because of the injury risk. I might even take him over Adrian Peterson, but that's just because I'm very bullish on him. He's definitely a top 10 back, and I think he's definitely a second-round pick. I think he's going to be a safety blanket for for Brock Osweiler. You know, it depend, mm-hmm. I think people are kind of all over the board as far as what they expect from Osweiler. And you, you look at the weapons on paper, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, the rookie, uh, Braxton Miller, another rookie. That looks great, but only one of those guys is anything near a proven commodity at this mm-hmm. point. You know, you can't necessarily just assume that Fuller and Braxton Miller are going to be ready uh, to kind of expand that passing game. So I think they're going to lean heavily on Miller, especially early in the season, to kind of ease Brock Osweiler into this new situation. So I- I'm certainly satisfied with where he's going. Jeremy Langford, this is a guy I know we agree upon, uh, is overrated. He's going to open the year as the number one back in Chicago, but it's just hard to imagine that necessarily lasting the entire season and what's going to be a pretty poor offense. Yeah, I mean, is he the number one back, though? You look at the I, recent. I think technically, it's, he is. it's Rich Campbell of the Chicago Tribune kind of wrote that even though Langford is a projected running back, the projected number one, it's going to pretty much be a committee. So Langford, Carey, and Jacquez Rogers. They're all going to split up carries a ton. I think Jordan Howard possibly too. Yeah, yeah. Don't even yeah. Don't even forget about him. So there's four capable backs in that Chicago backfield. 
the where the, I mean, the place where Lankford is being taken right now is just not a price I'm willing to pay for him. This is a situation, a backfield entirely that I'm I'm just going to avoid. Yep, absolutely. You look at his ADPs at 21, Gross. Uh, just a few spots behind, you know, DeMarco Murray, Latavius Murray, ahead of Matt Jones, Duke Johnson, both of the Cincinnati running backs, Jay Ajayi. Um, no, yeah, don't, I, I, don't it, do that. Don't, get, no, don't, don't fall do it. That just trap. stay away from the Bears backfield altogether. Uh, wide receivers. We're looking at Jordan Matthews and Doug Baldwin. They're respectively 24th and 25th among wide receivers. I don't mind getting Doug Baldwin here at 25. Are you, you're a little uh, lower on both of these guys? Yeah, I mean, Doug Baldwin, I think he had a lot of fluky touchdowns last year, and he, he got more red zone targets than he's ever been targeted in his career. And, hey, man, I really appreciate Doug Baldwin because he actually led me to some championships last year. I, I just took him as roster depth kind of in the middle of the year and then figuring I'd cut him in a week. Of course, that wasn't the case. But we're, we're going to see guys like uh, Tyler Lockett especially breaking out in Seattle this year into a top uh, top tier of receivers here. And I just don't think Doug Baldwin gets the same volume that he got last year, especially in the red zone. So in those touchdown-heavy formats, I, I, I would definitely stay away. Uh, especially Jimmy Graham's going to get eased back into action. He had a pretty much a letdown season last year, but I think he nabs some of those red zone targets. And, of course, you know, the backfield's going to take him. Seattle's still a run-first team, so you got to remember that. I, I don't mind Doug Baldwin in fantasy, but I'm not going to draft him as a wide receiver, too, like a lot of people are. That's getting a little bit greedy. You also mentioned Jordan Matthews. I gave him and that whole Eagles offense a pace boost last last year. I mean, I know you're a big NBA guy, and you started playing a little bit more FanDuel or DraftKings, those kind of things, uh, NBA, where pace is the biggest thing. So you want to find guys on fast-paced offenses against bad defenses. So I gave, with Chip Kelly, I gave all those guys a pace boost last year. I think I, that's going to scale back quite a bit. It's not only that, but the amount of drops for Jordan Matthews last year was concerning. And then, I mean, I know they have Sam Bradford. That, that That's probably going to be their quarterback. But if there's ever any controversy, that's not going to play out well. I think Jordan Matthews is being overdrafted by a little bit this season as well. Yeah, I mean, with Jordan Matthews, he he certainly looks the part of a number one. It just seemed like he was either there or he wasn't there. There, were, there really wasn't a ton of in between. You know, they, it seemed like at times they were kind of forcing him the ball. Other weeks, he was just not part of the game plan at all. Uh, kind of a feast or famine type of receiver. But yeah, I, I'm looking for him to have pretty much a similar year. I think you know it's going to be a different situation with a new new coaching regime, completely different style. Um, but I think he can, I mean, he can get to that 80 catch baseline, you know, right around a thousand mm-hmm. yards, um, you know, eight touchdowns last season had eight touchdowns as a rookie in 2014. I think he's right around there as well, but I, I, I'm with you that I don't agree or that I don't believe he's going to make any I mean, sort of tangible leap. 15 to 20 less offensive plays per game, right. I think is roughly a baseline even for if, what you even can if expect. The Eagles weren't doing much with those extra plays last year. Mm-hmm. It's still an opportunity. Um, Devante Parker, the, I think people are going to disagree with you on that. Everyone seems to love Devontae Parker. I think he's a little bit too high based on the position. Uh, I mean, just based on the lack of real real proof or depth or, or what we've seen from him. I mean, he only caught 26 passes for 494 yards last year, three touchdowns on 50 targets, and that was over 14 games that he appeared in. I mean, people and he... Yeah, a lot I of mean, people, he basically didn't play until like mean, week 12. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was slowed by a foot injury. Okay, and we shouldn't have any limitations, but people are drafting him just a little bit too high based on based on speculation. That's just me. I mean, he's still got... Jarvis Landry's going to be the number one receiver there. I don't think anyone's going to question that. Jarvis Landry's going to be a P PR beast, but when Ryan Tannehill's your quarterback, you've got a couple of decent weapons in the backfield. Don't forget about Jordan Cameron at tight end. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed, and you're 
I think Tannehill's going to have a better season with Gase as his offensive coordinator. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You saw what he, what Gase was able to do with Cutler last year, limit those mistakes. So Tannehill gets a boost, and Parker's got the skills to do it, 6'3", 218. I just think he's being a little bit overdrafted. I wouldn't mind owning him necessarily, but at the price that he's at, I mean, you're, you're drafting him essentially as a wide receiver, I don't know, two here, and... That's getting a little to bank on someone like that to be your wide receiver two all year. I think he's going to be boomer bust and maybe wait a couple weeks to pick up into it. So people are probably yeah. going to disagree. I mean, I think ideally maybe you start the season with him as your third option at receiver mm-hmm. or flex option uh, in PPR format. But the Jarvis Landy thing is is what does concern me the most about Devontae Parker. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in on him, uh, mm-hmm. and I was kind of going into last season. Obviously, the foot injury prevented him from doing much until the second half of the year, but. It is a lot to invest in a guy who's solidly the number two receiver on his team. Exactly. Who would you take first, Devontae Parker or Alan Hearns, speaking of number two receivers? Uh, I, uh, I, I mean, you know you know what my heart says, Alan yeah. Hearns. Mm-hmm. Um, Parker certainly is the better talent. I think much higher ceiling this season for Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would go Parker by a hair. I think the, the Jags, presumably, if they're not as you know, horrific defensively as they were last year, aren't going to be airing the ball out nearly as much. Blake Bortles mm-hmm. probably not going to throw for 35 touchdowns again. Um, and I think by default, that just kind of means yeah. uh, lower numbers for Alan Hearns. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Devonte Parker, again, the higher upside choice there. And that's usually where I lean mm-hmm. in these type of situations, you know, not, not necessarily looking to make the safe choice. Um, you know, Devonte Parker is a guy that could end up being, you know, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if he was a top 15, top 20 receiver when it's all yeah. said and done to me, it'd be a pretty big surprise mm-hmm. if Alan Hearns made that lead. Yeah. I mean, just with the 49th overall pick, I'm just more comfortable going with a proven commodity than going straight upside at that mm-hmm. point but that's just me maybe that's a little bit too conservative of an approach for drafting here but you know I'm going to look for s- some other names in, at that position but if he slips past that round I really don't have a problem taking him as long as I don't have to rely mm-hmm. too heavily on him all right before we get to underrated players real quick a couple of tight ends Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert um, Eifert going six as far as NFFC ADP Jordan Reed going second uh, still a good basically two rounds behind Rob Gronkowski, who's in certainly oh, a yeah. tier of his own, and rightfully so. Uh, what about these two guys makes them overrated? I mean, Jordan Reed, I, I, I like him. I think he's good. I just don't think he's a uh, second or early third round pick like where he's been so far. Uh, I mean, when he was in games, he had that huge amount of volume, which was great. It's very good to see that. However, he's been an injury risk his entire career. So if you take him as your tight end one and expect him to start every game, I think you might need to back him up just to be safe. The injury risk is what uh, is what makes me think maybe not a number two tight end. I actually like Greg Olson a little bit ahead of him. I would go. I would rank the tight ends Gronk, Olson, Kelsey, Reed, then Walker. I, I like Reed, but I just don't think I'm going to be owning him this year just because of where he's being drafted. All right, we'll get to a few other tight ends as we now switch over to underrated players. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I think this is a guy who's on both of our lists. He's going eighth among quarterbacks. Uh, we already touched on Tom Brady. To me right now, Roethlisberger moves ahead of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe would have been you know, right on par or even ahead of him before the Brady suspension. Yep. I like Roethlisberger over Blake Bortles. I should have mentioned him as an overrated player. I think I think sixth among quarterbacks is a little high for Bortles. I would mm-hmm. probably go Roethlisberger over Drew Brees. To me, he's yep. firmly in that conversation with Luck, Wilson, um, you know, kind of in that, I guess, second tier of quarterbacks, if you want to throw Cam and, and Aaron Rodgers in tier mm-hmm. one. Yeah, just flash back to last season, Roethlisberger was like a top three quarterback on most pre-draft lists. So 
I just don't understand what's changed. Martavis I mean, Martavis Bryant's Bryant out, but Ladarius hey, Green. Uh, yeah, Ladarius Green's going to help his case. I think uh, Ladarius Green needs a bump in uh, value. We'll get to that later. But I don't think, I mean, Martavis Bryant had a couple good games, but he wasn't a difference maker. He's still got Antonio Brown. We'll see about Le'Veon Bell, but even then it's D'Angelo Williams. I just don't understand what's changed about Ben Roethlisberger's preseason outlook coming in the last year. I would put him in probably the back end of the top five quarterbacks. So I'm going to end up naturally owning him in a lot of leagues this year, I think. All right, look at the running back position. We already touched on Devontae Freeman. Carlos Hyde, ADP of 16. This is a guy who, you know, for a couple weeks, everybody was trying to go out and grab Carlos Hyde. Uh, then the injuries hit, and you know, it was kind of forgotten, it seemed like, yep. for the second half of the season. But again, ADP of 16 uh, among running backs. You think that's a little low? Yeah, I think it's a little low. I would give him a slight bump here. I mean, he had that huge first game week one last year, so we all kind of saw the potential he has. And I think the 49ers played it right by playing it safe and sitting him for the majority of the back half of last season to give that foot injury time to heal, because that is a little bit of concerning. There is a slight injury risk with Hyde, but they're saying he's going to get more involved in the passing game this year I mean he has he's been over four yards of carry his entire career give him the volume of course there's the health risk but I think he could be a little bit more valuable than some of those running backs right around him Chris Ivory is a guy I think is a little bit underrated fifth leading rusher in the NFL last season and of course he enters a situation now it's going to be a two-back system in Jacksonville expecting probably close to a 50-50 split um, interesting decision really to bring him in uh, with with as solid as TJ Yeldon looked when healthy last season. But the Jaguars were a bottom five team in terms of red zone conversions. They had to throw the ball a ton in the red zone because they just didn't have anybody that could pound it in. I think that's going to be Chris Ivory now. Uh, maybe the yardage total drops. Certainly the yardage total will drop. But I think the touchdown total um, you know, could sustain uh, despite being being in a two-back system after being the, the undisputed number one back with the New York Jets. He's going 35th among running backs. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, advise anyone to take him a lot higher than that, but mm-hmm. TJ Yeldon's going six spots ahead. To me, those two are relatively equal yeah. to me, and I, I don't know that I'm rushing out to go grab TJ Yeldon. Yeah, so we're suggesting that the gap in productivity is not as wide as the gap in ADP, which yeah, makes and, him and an six spots player. isn't a ton. It just I, I'm more worried, I guess, about TJ Yeldon than I am Chris Ivory. Yeah, I mean, I, c- I can see where you're coming from there. TJ Yeldon had a tough time finding the end zone there. Uh, someone. Yeah, I, I just that Jack, the Jacksonville backfield's another one that kind of like Chicago. I'm probably going to stay away from because neither of those guys has a ton of upside. Uh, I do like the other underrated running back that you had put down here. Uh, that's Duke Johnson, of course, who's going to compete with Isaiah Crowell. I would almost limit it to PPR formats, but I really like what Duke Johnson potentially could do in this passing game as well in Cleveland, especially in the screen game, especially with another year in the league adjusting to the speed of the game. Duke Johnson, uh, ADP of 23. This Browns offense suddenly doesn't look quite as atrocious. And it still looks very atrocious, but it doesn't look quite as atrocious as it did a few days ago. I think they might ago. have the worst run defense of all time. I think yeah. the defense is going to be a problem. This is going to be a borderline league. fun team to watch, though, offensively. RG3 mm-hmm. you know, still you know, isn't, isn't RG3 from three years mm-hmm. ago, but um, you know, certainly brings the intrigue mm-hmm. to that position. Um, Corey Coleman on the outside. They get Josh Gordon back, we think. You know, I mean, for, does getting Josh Gordon back over under win total for them four and a half? Where you uh does I Gordon mean, Gordon is it boost them above to, four and a half? Is it possible to win a half game? Like four and a half seems just about right for them. I would still take the under. I think they go four and twelve, maybe three and thirteen. This is still like you said, the defense is so, so bad. And yes. for all we know, RG three could implode and mm-hmm. might might not be the starter come week three. Who knows? 
Um, but but I think Duke Johnson is, is something that they can at least fall back on uh, as, as a reliable commodity. Isaiah Crowell still in that backfield. You know, it's not going to be 100% Duke Johnson by any means, but one of the better pass catching backs in all the league last season. Uh, I think that sustains, and, and I think just having mm-hmm. you know some semblance of weapons on the outside and Coleman and Gordon is going to help a ton. And I did see in the Cleveland Plain Dealer that Duke Johnson might get some reps split out a little sure. bit so he could get uh, some wide receiver reps I mean at, after Coleman and Gordon we've got uh, Andrew Hawkins and Taylor Gabriel which are slot receivers Hawkins kind of getting to the tail end of his career so give Duke Johnson a couple reps in the, in the slot if it's possible that Johnson and Crowell can be on the field at the same play that that's potential there I mean there's a little bit inherent risk taking anyone from the Browns but right. the, you what know, do the think, Browns have to lose at this point yeah, you might as well yeah give it a shot all right, looking at the receiver position, Travis Benjamin is a guy I think is going way, way low. Um, I mean, put up very solid numbers with the Cleveland Browns last season. Now he enters a much, much better situation in San Diego, a team that slings the ball all over the field. I like him as a big-time deep threat for Phillip Rivers. He's currently going 41st among wide receivers. I think he should sneak up into probably the, the low 30s if I'm drafting. Devontae Adams is another guy. Um, he's going 75th among receivers. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and cape for Devontae Adams after what happened mm-hmm. last season, but somebody has to catch passes behind Nelson and Cobb. Nelson still really not mm-hmm. where I think Green Bay hoped he would be at this yep. point. He's on the pup list. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly you can't count on that. Um, but Devontae Adams, I think he's going to benefit a ton from the return of Nelson. First of all, not mm-hmm. being, you know, that featured receiver that they, I think they kind of tried to force on him last season. Clearly he wasn't ready. Um, you know, I think with all the attention that's going to be on Nelson, all the attention that's going to be on Cobb, this kind of frees up Devontae Adams to work in that that quiet and yet efficient role that we saw him in two seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are still going to run a lot of three wide receiver right. sets here. And like you said, Jordy Nelson, it's his other knee this time around. It looks like he has a little bit of tendonitis possibly from overcompensating for his injured knee which is, I mean, that's a completely logical story. We could see it. He's still optimistic he'll be back for week one. I'm not trying to take Devonta Adams in a spot where I need to count on him by any means, no. but I think uh, he is maybe a little bit low at 75 among wide receivers here. He just gets the Aaron Rodgers boost. You know, mm-hmm. I think if Devonta Adams is the third receiver for the Buffalo Bills or the San Francisco 49ers, we're not talking about this whatsoever. You know, he's mm-hmm. probably off the board in most drafts, but just being in that Green Bay offense, I think, gives him for lack of a better term the benefit of the doubt you know if, if that's if that's your tiebreaker if you're going to throw him in your lineup for a week as your you know your third receiver um I think you have that you know, that that Aaron Rodgers efficiency I guess to fall back on that can make you feel a little bit better about it than you otherwise would let's finish out with a couple of tight ends um Martellus Bennett ADP of 17 I think he's gonna have a huge year especially up, up. from a touchdowns perspective uh in New England Ladarius Green, ADP of 11. I think we're going to see that kind of slowly rise as this data mm-hmm. continues to come in. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, Ladarius Green is number 11 overall and I can get him later is part of the reason where if I don't get Gronk, I'm waiting till the very end because, you know, I mentioned how I rank him Gronk, Olsen, Kelsey, and then Reed. I'm probably not going to get Reed because he'll get drafted before I'm willing to take him. Olsen I consider in some places, but if I miss out on Gronk and Olsen, I'm not taking a a chance on Tyler Eifert, who I think is a little bit overrated given the injury risk. I can see a case for Colby Fleener with the Saints. The tight end, the Saints always find ways to get balls to the tight end here. But if uh, if I can get a draft where Ladarius Green is going, I mean, outside of the top 100, I'm going to try to snag him down there and wait on tight ends, load up on my receivers, especially in those three wide receiver formats. And I mean, Martellus Bennett, just because Gronk isn't or Gronk is there doesn't mean that the Patriots can't be protect or productive 
two tight ends on the Patriots can't be productive. I think we'll see We've a lot of We've seen that in the past with a, a certain someone. Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, that's we'll the thing. see a lot of red zone targets right. for both of them. And I mean, if opposing defenses are smart, they're going to put three guys on Gronk in the red zone because right. that's obviously where Brady wants to go. Are you worried about Gronk at all, you know, with, with Martellus Bennett? You know, you talk about touchdown vulturing with, with running backs. I mean, can that be applied to tight ends in this situation? Not necessarily. What I, I mean, if there's any concern about Gronk, it's been that he, he's missed a handful of games due to various injuries over the course of his career. Uh, so that's quite, I mean, there's a I little bit anything, of injury risk. I guess if anything, this kind of prevents that. You yeah. know, if anything, it takes some of the strain off of Yeah, Gronk. maybe it prevents overuse. He doesn't have to be on the field for so many snaps. But when the game's on the line here, you bet Brady's going to want to go to Gronk. Well, Brady, for the last 12 weeks of the season there. So those tight ends definitely... Uh, they're both going to be productive, I'd say. All right, that'll do it for us. Again, training camps continuing to get underway this week with veterans reporting. We'll certainly keep you posted on all training camp news on the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, which will be back with you on Friday. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.